Hello, and welcome to Glory Be, interesting people and how they pray. Each week we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hannish. And I'm Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Carlo Broussard. Carlo is a Catholic Answers apologist and speaker working in the Diocese of Tulsa to offer apologetical, catechetical, and evangelization training to the faithful. Carlo has published articles on a variety of subjects in Catholic Answers magazine, is a regular guest on Catholic Answers Live, and is an active writer for Catholic Answers magazine online. Carlo holds undergraduate and graduate degrees in theology from Catholic Distance University and the Augustine Institute, along with a master's in philosophy from Holy Apostles College and Seminary. He lives in Tulsa with his wife, Jacqueline, and their five children. We're so happy you're here. It's exciting to finally get to meet you and interview you. We've been looking forward to, for people, for our listeners, Carlo is going to be our mission speaker, which is February 12th and 13th from 7 to 8 p.m., and he's going to be speaking on the Eucharist. We're really, really looking forward to that. He's been doing a lot of speaking and teaching in the diocese. So, first of all, you're a Catholic apologist for people who really don't know what that is. Yeah, well, first of all, hello, Sharon and Mike. Thank you all so much for having me on your podcast. I'm honored to be here. An apologist is basically someone who provides an intellectual and persuasive explanation or a defense for one's position of belief. And it comes from the ancient Greek word apologia, which means an intellectual defense. Uh, St. Peter actually uses it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, when he says, always be ready to give an apologian for anyone that asks you a reason for the hope that is within you. So, inspired by the Holy Spirit, St. Peter is charging us as Christians to engage in what we call the science of apologetics for the sake of Christianity. And, of course, the modern English word of apology still has some remnants of that ancient meaning. Whenever I mess up and I offend my spouse, <laughs> my wife, I offer some sort of justification and an explanation for why I did what I did, right? And so there's a remnant of that understanding even with the modern word apology. So a Catholic apologist is someone who gives intellectual explanations for what we believe as Catholics, giving the whys or the reasons why we believe what we believe. So you can have a Muslim apologist, a mm-hmm. Protestant apologist, atheists give apologies or defenses of their atheism, and so we as Catholics give answer, uh, explanations for our Catholicism. So... One thing I read was that you were uh, you grew up Catholic, yeah, in Louisiana, and uh, you were you had a promising music career. That's yeah, right. I'm interested in that. Yeah. So, yeah. what did you play? I played the Cajun accordion. All right. Yeah. So, and if you don't know what that is, you can just go and Google Carlo Broussard Rice Festival 2000. Okay. And then there's a video of me performing at a festival in my hometown, Crowley, Louisiana, with my band when I was 18 years old. All right. And you get a flavor and a sense of the kind of Cajun music that I used to play. So I started playing the Cajun accordion 
when I was 12 years old. I had my own band by the time I was 13 playing in the bars and the honky-tonks. Mm-hmm. Recorded a couple of albums, yeah. one when I was 13, one when I was 16. And for eight years or so, I pursued that musical career. And there's a market for that in southern Louisiana to where you can make a career out of it. So when I was 20 years old, I had sort of the band of my dreams. I was kind of at the top of my game. And we were pursuing to record a third album. Had been working on some original music. And the week before the first studio session, I called it off. And I told my band members I was done with music. And I got out of the music industry entirely because I wanted to follow my newfound dream and desire and love of doing theology and philosophy and apologetics. And that sparked about two years prior to that, when I was close to 18, I actually heard the conversion story of my now colleague and good friend Tim Staples at Catholic Answers Mm -hmm. and his conversion story of being anti-Catholic to becoming Catholic really lit a fire within me. And that was my kind of my introduction to apologetics. And there was an attraction there by God's grace. And I discerned over the next couple of years that that was something I wanted to do full time and try mm-hmm. to make a career out of it and being an apologist or just doing theology and philosophy. So I gave up my yeah. musical career pursuit and started doing theology and uh, formal training in theology. And when the first college I went to is where I met my wife. Yeah. In Corpus Christi, Texas, there was an undergraduate Catholic college there. We moved back home to Louisiana, and we got married, started our family, and I step-by-step continued my formal education in theology and philosophy. And one thing led to another to where now I'm working full-time as an apologist and speaker for Catholic Answers, and then moved here seven months ago to begin a formal partnership that Catholic Answers established with the Diocese of Tulsa, which involves me coming here and devoting half of my workload as an apologist for Catholic Answers and traveling throughout the diocese and helping pastors and meet whatever needs they have that I can meet given my training in theology and philosophy and catechesis and apologetics. So I've been hopping around from parish to parish. I'm like a missionary apologist, right? Yeah, you've got a lot of miles on your car already. Yeah, Yeah. so from the time of August when I hit the ground running for my first event through December, I completed 30 events in the diocese. And that doesn't include the multiple nights involved in some of the events. Mm -hmm. And then from now all the way through June, I have right at 28 events booked so far, not including the multiple nights involved with those events. And one of those events will be the mission here at the at the Church of St. Mary on the Eucharist. And so first night we'll probably do a biblical exegesis of our Lord's revelation of the Holy Sacrament of the Eucharist, engage, uh, answering fundamental questions that might arise from our Protestant brothers and sisters who disagree with us on the reality of the Eucharist and seeing how we can engage in those conversations in a very persuasive, but at the same time, charitable and gentle way. Mm -hmm. And then night two, we'll look at some Eucharistic miracles and provide some scientific evidence that gives us sort of a pat on the back, right? And our Lord saying, I got you. Your belief is correct, right? We believe based upon the testimony of Jesus, but the scientific evidence confirms us in that which we already know through divine revelation and for evangelistic purposes can help people at least get on the path to coming to assent to God's revelation about the Holy Eucharist. Well, it sounds like you had a major moment in your life when you changed the 
uh, two weeks before the recording versus Jesus, one week. Jesus got a hold of me. Yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. Th- was that uh, a, a mo- single moment? No, it was kind of a process. I had yeah. a, when I was about 16 and a half, 17, I had a good Protestant yeah. friend. Mm-hmm. He was older than I was, about 24. But he kind of took me under his wing and befriended me, and we we hung out together. We did everything together, and he he at least began to introduce me to having a relationship with Jesus, yeah. and so I started to he, he I started to see that yeah. in his life, and it got me sort of thinking a few times, you know, about my relationship with Christ. But it was when I heard Tim Staples where the fire really yeah. lit, and I became convicted in my faith. And certain seeds of the religious sense that were planted in my childhood years, 11, 12, 13, via my mom's witness mm-hmm. and certain religious experiences I had, which had become eclipsed in my teenage years and playing in the nightclubs and stuff and music, began to flower. That yeah. religious seed began to flower when I started studying theology mm-hmm. and becoming really convicted in my faith. And so what happened is from 18 to 20, falling in love with the Lord and being convicted of the truth of the Catholic faith, and my desire to be a man of God, I began to experience that tension between my love for Christ and being a man of God and playing in the nightclubs, Mm -hmm. where there's a whole lot of immorality going on, and it ain't quite the place for a a man who's trying to pursue holiness. (laughs) Now, do you ever use your music? Do you ever... Do you still play? Yeah, do you still play? Yeah, I still play a little bit. I can't play. I'm about 70% of what I used to be. So it's good enough to be enjoyable and people to have fun. I have a hard time doing it because I'm a perfectionist and I know it's not perfect. And so it drives me nuts. But uh, I can still play. I still have my accordions. And um, yeah, so I still Do you ever uh, use it in your talks? Every once in a yeah. while, like when it's fit, like fitting. Mardi Gras. On yeah. There you go. Right, right. Uh, there, there have been a couple of Catholic music festivals that I've spoken at to where it was fitting for me to utilize oh, nice. my accordion. But outside of those boundaries, it's kind of like fitting a circle into a square. Do any of your children? pursue music not cajun music uh but musical talents yes so Mm -hmm. my 16 year old daughter savannah is just oozing with musical talent my other kids have musical talent as well but she's sort of the one that has blossomed in musical talent with piano guitar banjo mandolin i mean just whatever she picks up she's kind of able to do it and even her voice her vocals are quite amazing as well (laughs) so she has the musical talent but nobody yet has taken a liking to the cajun music (laughs) well Growing up, I loved going to some of the the Tulsa, uh, uh, like Juneteenth. There was a huge music festival here in town. And I remember seeing uh, Terrence Simeon and uh, Buckwheat Zydeco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Buckwheat. Yeah, Yeah. I know Buckwheat. Yeah, Yeah, Unfortunately, the late Buckwheat, he passed a couple of years ago. But yeah, he's done great things. That's Zydeco music. A bit different than Cajun Uh music, but still from the southern Louisiana style. That's a lot of fun. Indeed it is. So you are, I think you could self-describe as an extrovert? If you can do music? Actually, no. No. Yeah, it's something I've come to know about myself. Mm -hmm. I used to think I was an extrovert. Maybe I've changed as I've gotten older. I'm more of an introvert now. And I really enjoy having my own time and studying and researching and being in my cubicle office with nobody around me. But I also enjoy at the same time being around people Mm -hmm. when I'm speaking and stuff. 
But to be honest, outside of those boundaries of doing ministry and speaking, I have a preference mm-hmm. for kind of having my, my own time and yeah. alone time. So I'm kind of a mix of yeah. the introvert and the extrovert. Extrovert when there is a need, okay. but preferably the introvert. So you just re- a classic example, yeah. when I go yeah. out and travel and speak, mm-hmm. everybody always asks me, so where did you go? Did you go see this? And you... I go to the hotel yeah. and I stay in my room. <laughs> right, right, right. You can recharge those batteries. That's right. Yeah, that's, right, that's yeah. great. Well, I've listened to a few of your talks and you you self-describe yourself as a Thomist. So mm. what's a Thomist and, and how does that help you? Yeah, so that's just someone who has an affinity or an affection for St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm. And a Thomist is someone who starts with St. Thomas mm-hmm. Aquinas with, with regard to theology mm-hmm. and philosophy and dealing with the various issues of the faith. Uh, a true Thomas at heart, you know, there's a variety of different Thomas. Some yeah. will say you got to follow the letter of the law of St. Thomas, right? And it's more of a historical mm-hmm. exegesis and what St. Thomas says. But Thomism, more broadly speaking, is allowing St. Thomas and certain principles that he's articulated mm-hmm. allow for us to better deal with contemporary issues, apply those principles, and articulate the faith in, in a better and clearer mm-hmm. way. And so it's, it looks to St. Thomas Aquinas as the par excellence of theology and of how to do theology and philosophy, mm-hmm. and then follows his lead yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's great. This is going to be fantastic having you and to I hear know, more. I know. I was just thinking. I yeah. thought, okay, now I'm getting excited about that. Not that I wasn't excited. <laughs> but you're like, who is this <laughs> dude? Who is this yeah. guy? Yeah, yeah. Is it going to be interesting? But this is what? kind of a teaser. You that's know? right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't you can't uh, love or be attracted to that which you do not know. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little knowledge first, and then the love comes later. So what was First Communion like for you? First communion. Yeah. Man, we'll go back. that's that is an interesting question because I have a very bad memory. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So I quote Bible passages and yeah. quote, you know, 20,000 words uh-huh. and word for word in a talk, yeah. but I can't remember hardly anything of my yeah. childhood. I have mm-hmm. bits and pieces of memory. The one memory I have of my first communion is I forgot to say the word of the Lord, I think, when I did the reading from uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. First Communion yeah. Mass. But that's it. That's well, all I remember. you did the reading. Yep. I mean, that was... I actually did the reading, yeah. yeah and I, I, I goofed on it. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that, but that's all I remember. I don't remember mm-hmm. receiving our Lord. I don't remember anything else, so... That's it. Yeah. That's all that's oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, do you remember much about yours, Mike? Totally. Okay. So I, our, our catechists, uh, there's an associate pastor in the parish, and then the two second grade teachers, you know, they told us, they drilled us into us, this is Jesus. This is the Lord. Beautiful. You're about to receive him. So we did practice, just bread, right. and I did fine. And they taught us all because it was the 70s, you know, to receive right, on sure. the hand. But if you want to receive on the tongue, you can, and they did a special uh, training for about you know three four kids that wanted to do that, but I had this moment. I was much more pious than I really thought I was. I guess the priest held up the Eucharist and said the body of Christ, and my jaw dropped, and <laughs> I, I I didn't have it together to put my hands up, and so I just did this, and he put the host on my tongue, and so I received on the tongue, <laughs> oh just not out of any pie real piety, but just. You know, the, yeah. the, my seven-year-old yeah. brain was just overwhelmed by wow, this. Wow, that's so, amazing. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So that's I wish gift. I could, I wish every time I received Eucharist since then has been the same level of piety, but it, it has not yeah, necessarily. But that brings me back. I Always. know. I only remember, like, I 
my mom made my dress. You know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then I thought that yeah. I knew it was a special. You know, right. well, maybe after the mission on the Eucharist, the piety might be enhanced. Maybe right. right. yeah. come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's it. You know, my my little seven year old understanding of the Eucharist was not the end. I, right. I didn't stop that's learning. The There's right. always a way to find some new deeper insight. And Absolutely. That's going to happen on February 12th and 13th. And Amen. one of the things that we've started, I'm not sure you're aware, that we're starting to, the Church of St. Mary, to um, do Eucharistic adoration. Right oh, now wow. it's from Well, we do. We, we have do before it, yes. on a regular basis. We've always basis. had maybe on Wednesdays from 11 right. to 1, but now we've expanded mm-hmm. it. So now it's uh, every day? Every weekday, weekday. from 5 a.m. To 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And with the hope, the goal, eventual perpetual, perpetual. adoration. Right. It's, dif- it's difficult to pull off. Yes, yeah. difficult to pull off, and I feel like we've got a good start. But as we transition into our second part, how you pray, you know, um, how do you pray? Like, is that adoration something you do? Do you like the rosary? Is there a particular saint? Scripture? Tell yeah, us about Yeah, so I'm going to just lay my cards on the table here <laughs> yes. and be honest. I have no set formula. Yeah. Uh, I know that there is a part of the spiritual tradition where it's good to have a set formula. And I have set formula for other things, like every hour of my day is lauded, mm-hmm. right? But when it comes to prayer, it's very uh, multifaceted. Mm-hmm. So I, when I have adoration, op- I don't have a set adoration, but whenever our Lord is exposed, say at the chancery, I go and spend some time with him. I go and tell him hi in the tabernacle every time when I get to the chancery office in the morning. About midday, I'll pop in, tell him hi. And I'll go and tell our Lord hi, and maybe in the evening before I leave. I don't allot myself like a specific amount of time um, to to engage in prayer, but it's more spontaneous mm-hmm. um, uh, affections that yeah. I'm expressing to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. The same is true outside of the chapel in ejaculatory prayers, what mm-hmm. the tradition calls that, where you mm-hmm. just kind of expressing a prayer to the Lord at various moments throughout the day to foster that affection with Him. So that's something that just as of now in my life, and over the past few years, that's been the majority of my prayer life. I do try to make it a point to where I pray night prayer or compline uh, with, the, with the Liturgy of the Hours every night before mm-hmm. bed. And so I try to make it a point to do that and then complement that maybe with the daily readings. Mm-hmm. And I'll read the daily readings before I go to bed. Uh, I am not one. I, it has never worked for me to pray in the mornings. Some people really flourish with morning prayer, like waking up early and having that time before the day starts. My body just doesn't function like that. I ha- If I'm not, I can wake up early. I wake up 445 every morning, you mm-hmm. know, and... And I'm fine, but I got to be moving. I got to be yeah. active yeah. in order for for the blood to flow. If I stop, I'll shut down. Mm-hmm. So I ha- I've tried morning prayer yeah. like that before, and it did not work. So uh, I flourish best in prayer when I'm most alert, and that comes like after I've been doing things for a while, and then I'm kind of in the groove, and then I can go and spend some time with our Lord and give Him the attention that He deserves. So that's kind of how it is for me. I do pray the rosary often, but again, it's not a set. I'm going to pray it this time every day. I do pray it 
when I have an opportunity and I feel the Lord calling me to pray it, then I'll pray it. Other times, I just sit in silence. Mm-hmm. And that is something I, I learned how to do when I was 18, when yeah. I had my sort of reversion. Mm-hmm. I practiced silence a lot. Then I went through a phase in my life where silence wasn't the, the place where our Lord was meeting me. He yeah. was meeting me in other ways. And then now, uh, over the past year, actually, year and a half, the Lord has called me again to silence, mm. to where he's wanting to minister to me, to where I'll just sit and just be with him and just see what sort of thoughts the Holy Spirit begins to inspire and engage in conversation with our Lord like that. So that's kind of how it works for me. Yeah, that's awesome. You kind of take the situation, yeah, who you, who you yeah. are today, Absol- and bring it before the Absolutely. Lord. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I feel that the Lord is calling me personally yeah. in my journey of faith right now to discern the circumstances mm-hmm. and what I, I, I feel the Lord is calling me to, to engage in conversation mm-hmm. with them. That's beautiful. Yeah. And do you have any, do you ever pray with your family or your kids? Does your wife homeschool? Yeah, she you? homeschools okay. the kids, yes. Yeah. So they have their daily routine uh-huh. of prayer in the morning, offering mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And I think every Friday now they're going to noon mass. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to do that. And then we're going to try to start re-implementing uh, adoration and taking yeah. some time to go to adoration. Uh, with family prayer, we make an effort to pray every evening to pray family prayer, whether short or long. So mm-hmm. sometimes if we have time, it's rosary. But given the circumstances of yeah. the day, sometimes that time frame collapses, yeah. and so we pray short night prayer. Mm-hmm. And what are the ages, again, of your kids? 19 to 6. Okay. And then we're also doing family catechesis now because my six-year-old Nathaniel is preparing for his first confession through Holy Family. And so there's a family catechesis involved. Yeah. So once a week, on Sunday evenings preferably, we get together in the living room and we kind of go through the catechesis mm-hmm. as a family. So, Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. nice. Well, you've absorbed a lot of knowledge in your, your career, the academic career, right. and then especially in teaching it. You really internalize yeah. it. I've, I've listened to some of your, your Catholic Answers live broadcast, and you really make the answers your own. I mean, oh, it, is, it is the church. You represent the church right, well. Right, right, right. That's important. When people ask a question, what does the church teach yeah. about X? You can explain it, but also you make it your own as well. Oh, well, thank uh, you for that. Yeah. yeah. I've actually intentionally tried to get to that mm-hmm. point, because as with all things, you start by way of imitation. Yeah. And, of course, I was always imitating my hero, Tim Staples, and all of my buddies and my colleagues. And then once you grow in knowledge Mm -hmm. and you begin to assimilate it, you're able to reorganize certain ideas Mm -hmm. and express them in different ways according to how they fit within your mental framework. And then it kind of becomes your own. Mm -hmm. It morphs Mm -hmm. into your own, although the content is essentially the same as what it was before. So I'm still trying to work on that, right? You know, I still try to articulate things, maul it over my own mind to where it makes sense to me so that I can better clearly communicate that to others and transfer the ideas. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, we never stop growing. Amen. So as you change, then maybe your answer might change. Absolutely. You, you can bring new new angles on it and everything. That's you great. You're right. Well, well, kind of similar yeah. to your prayer life, you know. Right. It just, yeah. Um, it changes. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. There's different seasons of the prayer life. There's no one cookie-cut mode of one size fits all. We're all different. We're all in a different point in that journey of knowledge there are certain general rules of thumb and principles to help and guide Mm -hmm. us but that's what they're ordered toward to guide us and help us 
not that we have to submit to them yeah. and be miserable with it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and maybe you've had an experience of that. Uh, one of the questions we ask, I think we mentioned this too, we ask all of our guests is, has there been a time in your life when it's been difficult to yep. pray? Yeah, actually, um, f- formal prayer has been difficult for me, to be honest, over the past two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, the liturgy itself, for the longest time, the liturgy was, oh, right? Mm-hmm. You know, subjectively speaking, my own experience. And for some reason, the past two and a half to three years, I found myself struggling with formal prayer. Mm-hmm. Spontaneous prayer was there. It was nice. But the formal prayer I was struggling with, very slowly easing back into that towards yeah. beginning to feel at home again. For whatever reason, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but that was my experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so having to work through that and offer that up to the Lord mm-hmm. and saying, hey, Lord, I ain't got much for you today, but here I am. Right. <laughs> right. right. I mean, and, you know, and that's a prayer. Here that's I enough. Am, Amen. You know, so uh, yeah. I like that. And I like it when we our guests admit that they have difficulties praying because because your hosts do (laughs) and uh, we talk to bishops and to sisters and to very spiritual holy people and everybody struggles at times with prayer and it's the keeping at it yeah that's right it's the not giving up and i think you are guest number 116 um for for this podcast and all 115 before you have admitted yeah i've had trouble praying Sure. And even an archbishop said, yeah, this morning it was early. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's yeah. tough. It, it, is, it tough. is hard. Well, if you could ask everybody who's a listener to this podcast to join you in a single prayer intention, what would that be? I think that would be for the stability of the partnership yeah. between Catholic Answers and the diocese, okay. for its success mm-hmm. and its stability. Because I really like this gig. Oh, good. good. <laughs> you know, my family's taking a liking to yeah. it. It's a good setup. Uh-huh. I really enjoy the ministry. Uh, I enjoy being the missionary apologist while at the same time continuing to do my work for Catholic Answers. So I would ask them to pray specifically for the success and stability yeah. of this partnership because, you know, God willing, I plan on being here for quite some time. Great. Yeah, I like yeah. it here. All right. Yeah, well, well, yeah, culturally, it's not too much difference right it's a little bit closer to home yeah you know so we were in southern california for seven and a half years and so now i'm a little closer to home Mm -hmm. and some really good folks here man people are really good here and i enjoy southern california is that where catholic answers yes we're headquartered right outside of san diego Uh okay okay weather's a little nicer than it is here (laughs) yes it is i think objectively (laughs) that's okay though but hey man we had a beautiful fall Mm -hmm. yeah it's just palm trees all year round in southern california (laughs) so we had a beautiful fall here we got some snow and some nice bitter coldness you know to kind of wake us up a little bit absolutely and we'll see what this spring entails with this old tornado stuff yeah uh, It's not we'll as bad. God does. Yeah. It's, it's not as bad unless they're right over you. Yeah. <laughs> I have one quick question before, in light of your prayer intention. Um, tell me, remind me again. So we're, there's this partnership. What, what, I know you go to a bunch of different parishes, but what, what is your, like, what do you still do for Catholic Answers? And- yes. So I still write books. So mm-hmm. I just completed another manuscript for my next book. Defending the Invocation and Veneration of the Saints. That'll be published this year. So that's book number six in the books that I've published for Catholic Answers. I do my podcast for Catholic Mm -hmm. Answers called The Sunday Catholic Word. I look at the upcoming Sunday Mass readings, highlight the details that are relevant for doing apologetics. And people can download that at sundaycatholicword.com. I continue to do Catholic Answers live on the radio about Mm -hmm. once a week. 
I continue to write for Catholic Answers Magazine online, both in long form and short form. Mm -hmm. And I continue to travel and speak throughout the country for Catholic Answers. So I was supposed to go to Iowa last weekend, but it got canceled due to the blizzard. And then I'm going to Rapid City, South Dakota next week. And then I'm going to Texas. And then I'm going to New York. And so I still continue to do that. So basically, I'm doing everything I was doing for already. Plus, Plus more. Extra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I love that you're getting to the rural parishes, you know, for people who are listening Absolutely. who don't know the landscape of Oklahoma, you know, it's a... I went to Durant, that's the furthest yeah. I've been so far, two hours and 45 minutes mm-hmm. out. Uh, I got Poto coming up, I've been yeah. to Grove, I've been to Pryor, McAllister, I've been to Tallahena, uh, no, uh, Wilberton, yeah. Wilberton, yeah. Yeah. it's just all these far right. out places, and that was the bishop's primary goal in uh-huh. bringing me here was to have somebody free of administrative duties yeah. just to go out and help pastors, and that's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. That's great. This is very much mission territory. Indeed, you know it is. we're we're you know, what three or four percent Catholic, yeah. I think, in the the rural parts of the yes. state. Tulsa is a little Catholic island with maybe up to ten percent. I've heard. That's what Which, I've heard. If that's right. true, that's that's a lot. And and what I what I find is that even though it's dominated by Protestants and Protestant Christianity, those Protestants are very good folks and are open mm-hmm. to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I have encountered so many converts from Protestantism mm-hmm. to Catholicism here in the Tulsa area, and meeting Protestants who are totally open for conversation and dialogue mm-hmm. with Catholicism. So it's like yeah. prime opportunities. Right. Yes. You right. know, that the soil yeah. is very ripe for this sort of ministry. Yeah. Oklahoma is a very faithful yeah. state. So Amen. that's good. That. That before good. we wrap up, yep. we will link in our show notes your books and yeah. your podcasts and your all the things and, that you just mentioned. Yeah, com. Yeah, carlobroussard.com. Yeah. All of the work I do at Catholic Answers is kind of located yeah. there. Uh, the podcast, the articles, the videos, Catholic Answers Live. Yeah. I, I put all that stuff yeah. in one location. That's nice. One-stop shopping. Yeah. That's yeah. great. What well, would you lead us in a glory be? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you so much, Carla. Hey, thank you Really guys. appreciate it. See you soon. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to see another late night prayer. I'm like you. <laughs> <laughs> Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.